in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Aaron Rodgers is going to miss this weekend's game against the Kansas City Chiefs after testing positive for COVID-19. Ian Rappaport is reporting that Aaron Rodgers is unvaccinated, which is why even though it's Wednesday, he has already been ruled out for the game on Sunday. If he was vaccinated, uh, he would potentially be able to come back if he could have, uh, I think it's two negative tests over a 48-hour period. But because he's unvaccinated, it does not matter. He is out for this weekend's game. Yeah, uh, remember when we were talking earlier about stories that you just can't really logic out and get your head around? Uh, this this is another one of them for me. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what 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 Aaron Rodgers is doing there. That I mean, what what did what did they get to? They were up to like what 96 percent of NFL players are vaccinated after uh, the the first cut to get down to fifty three for Week One. Like I, and uh, it's bizarre. You know, now. You, yeah, I just want to say you're you're. You're the starting quarterback of a team where you literally are the only player that really matters beyond Devontae Adams. So your responsibility is even greater to your team. Yeah. Um, now, the f- fun part of this game, though, is we're going to finally see Jordan Love play. Like this entire, hey, the Packers, why'd they draft Jordan Love? They took this guy too early, made Aaron Rodgers angry. I am fascinated, and I, I hope that it is – I hope that it is one extreme. I hope that either Jordan Love throws for like 420 and four touchdowns, which is possible against the Chiefs, or I hope he's just the worst quarterback we've ever seen in our lives. I'm hoping for one of the extremes here. No, I think that there's another there's another way. <clears throat> there is a third answer, and it is that there is a quarterback on the market right now who has started NFL games before who I think would be perfectly capable of taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, and his name is Nathan Peterman. Oh, Nathan Peterman. What a disaster. The Raiders released Nathan Peterman yesterday. I can't believe it. Yes, Nathan Peterman, Packers quarterback, beats the Chiefs. And this was the day Mike Mayock truly became the general manager (laughs) of the Raiders. Okay, are they going to bring him back to the practice squad? Are they? Like... I, I, we, it's pretty obvious at this point he was like John Gruden's favorite and John Gruden kept him around every year and kept giving him a million bucks. But like, you do bring him back to the practice squad, right? So only one of John Gruden's sons is left in the organization then. <laughs> Deuce got to stay, but Nate had to go. Deuce still exists. One of them is the one that's still good at his job, presumably. Oh, uh, you know, I can't tell you that. The Golden Knights lost to the Maple Leafs 4-0 last night. Uh, the scoring chances were 44-19 to in favor of Toronto. Expected goals were 3.2 to 1.8. So, I mean, the idea of, hey, stay 500 during all these injuries has sort of been out there as like, hey, if they can do that, they get healthy. This team should be fine in terms of making the playoffs and maybe making a run at the division. Do you think they can stay 500 when they're missing Stone, Pacioretty, Carlson, and like three or four other guys? I do, actually. I What I saw out of them the three games previous to this suggests to me that this team is still 
capable against inferior opponents the way that we've seen. Now, the Toronto Maple Leafs are not the team you want to see uh, when you're rolling out the lines you were last night. And so how bad is it? Well, I think sometimes it's hard for us to judge inside the bubble, but I was kind of watching some national hockey folks last night putting out like screenshots of the Golden Knights starting lines with, you know, LMFAO. Um, and so clearly the rest of the league understands just how banged up and beaten up the Golden Knights are right now. That said, they're about to go play Ottawa. That is a lineup <laughs> still that should be competitive with the Ottawa Senators. So, all right, big picture. I am not concerned about them making the playoffs at the end of the day. Uh, I don't know that they win the division at this point, especially if Edmonton or Calgary is able to sort of continue to rack up the wins here early. Are, like, concern-wise, playoff spot, division-wise, like, what are your thoughts on it? Just get in. Uh, this team has always been built for the playoffs, and especially if they make a Jack Eichel trade, as uh, ESPN's Emily Kaplan reports, it's at the one-yard line between the Flames and the Golden Knights. Just get in, and maybe you even end up with Eichel for the playoffs. This team is built for the postseason, and it doesn't really matter how they get in so long as they do get in. And the thing with Edmonton is, this has always been the threat with the Oilers, right? They've always had this season in them with McDavid and Dreisaitl leading the way. It's just that they have consistently underachieved. So it's just bad timing for the Golden Knights that the Oilers have finally put it together. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> UNLV will require fans to show proof of vaccination to attend Runnin' Rebel games this season. So, we have the Raiders, who require proof of vaccination to attend games, and now UNLV basketball, uh, also Nevada basketball up in Reno, is going with the same route. Um, outdoor events, this is not, this doesn't apply. There's no vaccine or mask mandate that you have to put into place if you have an outdoor sporting event. So, like, Nevada football or Lights FC, it doesn't apply to them. But the other indoor sports, the Golden Knights, UNLV football, the Aces, they have not uh, done the vaccine route. They have gone with the mask mandate instead. I Listen, I will say, I've said it before on the show, I'm surprised more teams in Vegas didn't follow the Raiders' lead. I thought that that was a pretty obvious answer for a sports team. Adam, I know you were on the show one of the days. We talked about it just from a pure enforcement standpoint asking your ushers to tell people to put their masks on is not something that's going to go very well i was surprised that only the raiders who sort of got out in front and took the the brunt of the criticism i'm surprised nobody really followed their lead until you know four or five months later with unlv and nevada basketball uh, tyler it was cover it was cover mark davis gave everyone cover to do it if the biggest draw in town apologies to the golden knights but you know the nfl is the nfl and if the NFL, a franchise of 32, is willing to do that, then I don't understand why anybody doesn't follow the lead because the Golden Knights situation has proven exactly what we talked about. We were 100% right talking about what was going to happen because go to a Golden Knights game and A, either see the empty seats for folks who are not comfortable going, or B, just even watch on TV and see how many people are actually wearing masks. Like the crowd shots are disheartening because it's not just people who are taking down their mask to have a drink the way that it's supposed to work. It's people who don't have a mask on at all. And so I don't blame the folks at T-Mobile Arena. It's not their job. I mean, it is technically their job, but it shouldn't be their job yeah. 
to be enforcing mask policy. So I guess my question for you, Tyler, when it comes to UNLV is why the difference between basketball and football? I don't know. And I, I should ask that question. That's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if it's just uh, later and maybe they've learned from, wow, that didn't really work well at Allegiant Stadium. Maybe they looked at it and said, hey, there's enough room in Allegiant Stadium and we're not drawing enough fans that they're socially distanced enough. I, I don't know. I don't know why there's a difference because like, you know, take Nevada, for example, like their football team, they don't, they, there's no, you don't have to do it if it's an outdoor event. You don't, in Nevada, it's got to be either a mass mandate or a vaccine mandate for an indoor event, but outdoor, it doesn't matter. So Nevada doesn't really have that inconsistency there like UNLV does, whose football and basketball team play indoors. I, I don't know why UNLV chose to do it, but I'll, I mean, give them credit for, for getting half of it, right? Like, I think it's the right decision to do it for basketball. Should have done it for football too, but at least they did it for basketball. You know what, Tyler? I, I mean, we joke a lot about UNLV football attendance. That might be a realistic reason, right? Like, you really can spread out in the lower bowl at a UNLV football game without any sort of fear of being too close to anybody else. Um, I'm not saying that's the reason it was done, but at least practically it makes a little sense. Yeah, I maybe that's it. And I, I know Jared's made the point before. Maybe it was, hey, Iowa State's on the schedule and we want as many Iowa State fans in here. And if we do a vaccine mandate we won't have many iowa state fans well such as it is you look at the situation now for unlv basketball and i said this yesterday i believe that this is a gutsy choice by the unlv administration for a unlv basketball program that has not been drawing fans uh you know and and i personally think it's the right way to draw fans back because you're giving them the confidence to be able to go to the arena and not worry as much about the spread of COVID-19. But there are people who obviously disagree with that opinion as well. Yeah, I had three or four people that tweeted at me yesterday that they either weren't going or a couple of people that said they actually called and, and canceled their season tickets. I ultimately think it's irrelevant. Uh, I, yeah, you're going to lose some, but you'll probably gain some back in the process by requiring the vaccine uh, people to be vaccinated to enter, but at, ultimately UNLV attendance has been so bad. It's going to be bad this year too, unless they finally start winning. Like that's, that's the answer to UNLV's problem. I don't think there's anything else that ultimately matters until they play. Listen, it's been like eight years since they have played a relevant basketball game in February. Every single year, by the time we get to like the middle of January, UNLV season is over. And we're talking, the only thing we're talking about is, can they get the five seed over the six seed in the Mountain West tournament so they get a first round bye? That's the conversation we have every year in February. Until they're playing a game where it's like, oh, the net rankings matter, the Ken Palm rankings matter because this could be a game that gets them into the NCAA tournament or keeps them out of the NCAA tournament. Until we're doing at least that, I whatever. Vaccine mandate, mass mandate, whatever UNLV wants to do for all you can eat promotions, I don't think any of it ultimately makes a big difference. That's a great, great question. Michael Thomas is out for the season with a broken ankle. He started the year uh, out after an ankle injury last season that he tried to play through, uh, but he apparently had a setback. He was potentially going to be able to return at some point this year, but apparently he has had a setback in his recovery and is now done for the season. So Michael Thomas will not be playing in the NFL until 2023 at the or 2022 excuse me at the earliest 2017 michael thomas was the third graded 
wide receiver in football by Pro Football Focus. 2018, he was number two. 2019, he was number one. So you cannot understate the impact of what he would have meant to this offense, especially as they try to navigate without a starting quarterback. Yeah, it's it's a team. I know there were some reports yesterday about the Saints potentially trading for a wide receiver. I think they had conversations about Odell Beckham Jr. is the report. But uh, it's, yeah, I mean, you're looking at a team who doesn't have Jameis Winston. Uh, They're probably going to be getting a lot of Taysom Hill once he comes back. And until then, Trevor Simeon. It's they got a good record though. Like at the Saints, I don't know who's playing for that team besides Alvin Kamara, but they, you think they make the playoffs? Like they, they're in a pretty good spot to to do it as far as their record goes, not necessarily their roster the rest of the year though. Absolutely. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. They still have the Falcons twice and they get the Panthers again. Uh, and you look at where they are right now. It's almost the same way you look at the, the Raiders and you say they built up a good enough record in the first half that even if the schedule becomes more challenging for them, that they're still going to be in a great position to make the playoffs because really, who's who's going to get in their way? Right. In the NFC, I don't know that it's going to be all that difficult in the long run. You look at the Raiders and you say, okay, you go to the Giants this week. You still have the Washington football team on the schedule and you probably can uh, put two or three other wins in their column from that point on. And at that point, you say, yeah, they're, they're in pretty good shape. Coming up next, we get mad at college football rankings. Every single stadium this year, home and away, I've had issues personally. Look, I, I don't know. Look, I, I don't want to make this all about headsets. We have things. I'd say this. Whoever's in charge of it, whoever the guys who – look, Jordan, I don't know the exact answer. I don't know if that comes more through the league or us exactly, but they better fix it fast. Yeah, that's it. That's, I, look, I'll get you all the details and stuff later on who does all that stuff. You know, we get the communication back. We say, hey, listen, these things have been an issue, and then we get told they've adjusted this, they've done this, they've done this, whatever it is. Like, like I said, we try to adjust and use different hardware. Hasn't been allowed, so we'll keep on moving on. Again, look, I don't want to make this about the stupid headsets. That's not what this is about. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't the factor in the game. We got to do other things on our own to make sure we have success. It's yeah, a great head coach right there, uh, Joe Judge. Uh, before we get into some college football rankings, uh, Adam, I'm going to read you a tweet from August 26th, uh, and you're going to have to explain this to me. So Aaron Rodgers, first off, he is not going to play Sunday. He tested positive for COVID-19, and he is unvaccinated, according to Ian Rappaport. Uh, this tweet, though, is from August 26th from Rob Domofsky, who covers the Packers for ESPN. Aaron Rodgers confirmed he's had the COVID-19 vaccine. Quote, yeah, I've been immunized. There's guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated, and it's a personal decision not going to judge those guys. So Ian Rappaport says that he has been, Aaron Rodgers was quoted as saying he's been immunized by the letter of the law in the NFL that does not equal vaccinated. Uh, Immunized seems to be a very particular choice of words that gives you the option to say, yeah, I'm immunized because, I mean, you know, I have natural immunity. Maybe he had it before. Maybe he did something else that he thought was protection for it, but immunized versus vaccinated. I have not talked to a single person in my experience in the, the last year plus who has said, oh yeah, I got, I got the, the immunization. <laughs> no, so I got the vaccine. So you're saying that there's a, uh, there, there's a 
there's a tractor supply somewhere in Green Bay that's like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers came in and got all our horse to warmer. <laughs> that is entirely possible. So, you know, just like the Rodgers rate, anyone can get the vaccine, and uh, apparently he didn't. What an answer, by the way. If, that, if, if he was asked, hey, have you been vaccinated? And he said, yeah, I've been immunized. There's guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated, and it's a personal decision. That is a hell of an answer that absolutely nobody at the time thought, oh, he's talking about himself. He's one of the guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated. That's okay. All right. Well, there's Aaron Rodgers for you. Not playing this weekend because he is not vaccinated and has tested positive for COVID. Now, college football world, early November, we get the first college football playoff rankings. And here you go. The top four right now, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, and Oregon. The top two on the outside looking in, five Ohio State, and six Cincinnati. Uh, Was Cincinnati's placement your biggest uh, takeaway from the initial rankings from the college football playoff? There's an old story that's made its way around the internet a few times about Jay Cutler when he was the quarterback of the Chicago Bears and a guy running into him uh, in the men's room and you know standing next to him at the urinal and and saying, "Oh, Jay, I'm, I'm you know I'm a huge fan. This and this and that," and a somewhat inebriated Jay Cutler saying, "Don't care." <laughs> that is how I feel about the college football playoff rankings on November third. Don't care nothing that you see now matters nothing cincinnati at six doesn't matter michigan state at three doesn't matter these teams all still have so many games left to play that if you're not looking at this as a setup for what is to come then you're reacting in a vacuum to something that doesn't exist you have to look at what's coming forward in the future they're setting cincinnati up to the point where if cincinnati wins out they'll have an argument Right, you're setting it up to where if Ohio State or Michigan State lose, then one of them is going to drop out. Cincinnati is going to move up. It, that's all it is. Same for Oklahoma in the end, uh, ranked down at eight. If Oklahoma can win out, then they'll be in a better position. But to get all riled up like people have been, oh, how is Cincinnati not? I don't care. Go win your games and see where you are at the end. But this does not matter. This doesn't matter any more than the AP rankings right now. Which uh, which undefeated team that's not in the top four, but in the top 10? Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Wake Forest, who I was unaware was undefeated. Uh, which of those three you think could actually find their way into the college football playoff? Is Tim Duncan playing? Like, what, how did this happen? <laughs> that's the last time I remember caring about Wake Forest. Um, hey, they have Chris Paul. Okay, okay all right. Um, good enough for me. So... Oklahoma is the team that everyone's going to want if they end up undefeated. Um, The only reason I would want Cincinnati in, quite honestly, is to end this group of five madness forever. I want to see Cincinnati get in, and I want to see them get blasted so that we never have to hear about this again. So maybe this is the year where Cincinnati can sneak in because there isn't as much power at the top. Maybe Alabama ultimately loses in the SEC championship game and... You know, they get dinged for it. I don't think they will. They'll still make it if that's the only other game that they lose. But no one wants to see Wake Forest. And <laughs> right, no one wants to see them. And that absolutely factors in for the committee. Nobody <laughs> wants to see 
Wake Forest and try to figure out who anyone on that team is. So in the end, you're probably thinking Oklahoma is the one that's going to have a case if they don't make it. All right, hold on. Your idea of Cincinnati and getting blown out and never hearing about it again. So this is uh, David Ubbin of The Athletic uh, wrote a story about Cincinnati and, and they're being disrespected here. And one of the points he brought up was a chief concern among those who want to squeeze out Cincinnati, they'll just get blown out. But his point was, we've had 14 playoff semifinal games. Uh, just three have been decided by one score. There have been margins of 39 38, 35, 31, 27, 21, and 20 in college football playoff semifinals. We have not had good college football playoff semifinals. Does it really say much if Cincinnati gets blown out, given that almost everybody tends to get blown out in a college football semifinal? No, and I don't think that's the way ultimately to look at it. I don't think the way to look at it is to say that, well, because everyone gets blown out, you might as well put Cincinnati in there and let them get blown out. Like, no, no, put in put in a team that is deserving if they are better in the eyes of the committee than than Cincinnati. Put in a team that you think has a competitive shot. If you think Cincinnati has a competitive shot, put them in. But here's my thought on that team. It is primarily a defensive team. It is a team that if you put them in there against Georgia and you have a 1-4 matchup of Cincinnati and Georgia, you're going to end up with a 9-6 semifinal that nobody wants to see. So I think that has to be part of the equation as well. I mean, one year we got 9-6 in the regular season between two teams and then got them again in the college football national this championship. This is accurate. This is accurate. <laughs> and what, LSU didn't cross midfield until the fourth quarter of the rematch, I think, was uh, how dominated they got in that championship game. I, I think, though, the... The point, though, more from David Ubbin is not so much, hey, the reason to put Cincinnati in is because everybody else has gotten blown out, but more or less, hey, if Cincinnati got in and got blown out, it doesn't mean other group of five shouldn't get a shot because every other Power Five team that's got into that stage has gotten blown out as well. And this is what happens when you make your determinations about who gets a shot at a national championship like figure skating or gymnastics where you have people <laughs> sitting in a room trying to pick criteria right at least with the ncaa basketball tournament at least you have the automatic qualifiers yes you're still picking a number of teams at large but at least you have some aqs that give you a semblance of an idea that someone earned their way in uh, we don't have it with college football we just don't and, and maybe if you expanded and there were some sort of automatic qualifying criteria for the power five conferences then you could do that expand it out to 16 give the power five all a bid and, and then you can feel like maybe there's some sort of criteria here but basically right now you just have judges in a room yeah and it's it's amazing that you would bring up wake forest they could potentially go undefeated and not get in which would be kind of insane if a power conference team went undefeated and didn't get in that'd be i would kind of enjoy that if that happened to wake forest yeah that i guess that would be fun maybe uh maybe like central florida they could uh, they could hang their own banner <laughs> for uh you know best undefeated team that didn't make the playoff coming up next jason fitz joins the show aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him but we aren't it's time for our weekly visit with espn's jason fitz
Well, Tyler has muted himself, so this is Oh, done. I have been. Okay, I'm here. Hello, I'm here. Damn. I knew that was going to happen <laughs> doing this on Queen Feet. I knew it was going to happen. I'm here. Jason Fitz. How are you, Jason? Well, you know what? Aaron Rodgers may not be impressed with me, but I'm available on Sunday. <laughs> He's not. So, bam! <laughs> uh, all right. We got the first college football playoff rankings. Uh, is it too early to really care or should we be angry about Cincinnati's placement? What's your biggest takeaway from it? Well, as far as too early to care every year, we tell everybody most of this stuff is going to work itself out. So, you know, if you're Oklahoma, for example, and you're upset that you're number eight, well, you've got plenty of runway left uh, in front of you because you have a Baylor and Oklahoma state who the committee have given value to now conspiracy theorists will say that, the committee sort of makes their job easy by giving value to future opponents so that they can let it all work itself out. But if I'm Cincinnati, yeah, I'm certainly upset, you know, because uh, no matter what, there's, there's not enough runway left for them. They're not going to get any landmark wins. So Cincinnati's been told that they're not going to make the playoff. I mean, that's simple. But I guess I would also ask everybody if the committee is really challenged to find the best four teams, and I think it's actually the four best of the four most deserving. But if they're challenged to find that, well, I mean, right now, Alabama is better than Cincinnati, loss or not. And right now, Oregon's better than Cincinnati. So if you've watched Cincinnati the last couple of weeks, they're not better than the teams that are ahead of them. So I don't really care what their record is. The committee is supposed to give us the four best. They're not one of the four best. I just don't think they have the equity left to gain. So they're going to be on the outside looking in. What do you think should matter when we have a we have a very – it's a bad system in place to figure out the national championship in college football. So, like, what should matter? Like, should the fact that Alabama lost a game to Texas A&M matter more than, hey, they're better than Cincinnati, even though they have that loss? Or do you think it should be more about deserving? And if you go undefeated, you should have a shot, regardless of how well you play in those games. I, I think there's got to be some relative comparison, right? So, like, if, if I were on the committee – I would put some weights. I'd put, I'd put good weight to have you won the games in front of you, for sure. But at, at the end of the day, like if Cincinnati had played Alabama's schedule, would they be undefeated? That's part of what they do. I've, done, I've sat through the mock committee process down in Dallas, and when you start having these conversations, what you have is a bunch of football experts that are sitting there saying, well, look at the size and speed of this roster, and how would that roster have fared on this day? So like, I think all of that becomes part of the conversation. If I were on the committee – I mean, at the end of the day, I can't be blind to the fact that Alabama is simply better than Cincinnati. And, you know, if Alabama had played Cincinnati's schedule, they would definitely be undefeated. So, uh, you know, we're not, we're not talking about, like, strange comparisons here. We've got to trust the football minds. And I will remind everybody at the end of the day, every single year the Final Four has given us the same exact Final Four that the BCS would have given us. So for anybody that thinks that we needed to get rid of computers to go to humans, there's been literally no difference. <laughs> uh, what is your ideal size? Like, if you if you were picking, this is how many playoff teams we have at the end of the year. What's your ideal size? Well, so I'll give you two different answers from that. As a college football fan, I'd love to see eight. Uh, I'm good with eight as long as we don't give any uh, automatic bids to anybody. Like, I, I want the best eight. I don't I don't care if all eight come from the SEC. I want the best eight. So you know that would be step number one for me. But step number two is as somebody that works in college football. Man, I, I love four because, let's be real, we have millions of people that watch the releases every single week, that watch the rankings come out every single week, which I think, honestly, is good for the attention for college football. Like, 
part of what I think we forget about is that this conversation right now didn't exist in the VCS days because nobody cared about the way the process was done. If we expand to 8 or 12 or 16, the question is, will people be as fired up about seeding or fired up as 8 versus 9? I don't I don't think so. So I think people would actually pay less midweek attention to college football, like casual fans, if we expand. So, you know, it's good for college football fanatics, but for the overall growth of the sport, I, I don't know. Are people really going to be fired up to watch an 8 seed get beat by 50 from Georgia, and then are they going to care every week? Jason, in in a year of the uh, the COVID vaccines being available and talking to people, professionals, friends, whatever, has anyone said, oh, yeah, I got immunized who had the shot? <laughs> no. And, you know, I think the, the funny thing is uh, Aaron Rodgers, can't, you can't have it both ways. And one thing Aaron's been doing a lot this year is trying to have it both ways. And, you know, not just when it comes to this, like, that he's immunized and you know you can't be the smartest guy in the room and then try to to claim anything other than that and that's obviously what he was trying to be in that moment looking back on it but this is also the same guy that says that he literally never listens to what any of the idiots in the media says but then uh, literally on pat mcafee's show says well the local media was talking about how i'd lost the step so it felt good to get that touchdown run so which is it are you listening or are you not listening are you reacting or are you not reacting so this is like Aaron Rodgers has done a very nice job over the last six months of trying to play the hero and the villain, depending on whichever role he wants at whatever time. And at the end of the day, we all got to throw our hands up and say, cool, dude, like you tried to pull one over on everybody's eyes. Hopefully uh, they're in a situation where they can actually have a quarterback this weekend. But the other part of it is like, remember, it, if he's non-vaccinated, it's 10 days. So if today is day one, he's likely to miss two games because of this. So, you know, that's his personal decision. Fine. For everybody that says it's his personal decision, remember, he's part of a union that collectively bargains all of this. So you lose individuality when you are a union member in these situations. And he's part of a team that's relying on him to play. So he's decided to put himself ahead of what was collectively bargained. He's decided to put himself ahead of what the rest of the team is doing. And now the Packers will have to make business decisions with ramifications to the livelihood of everybody involved because of his personal decisions so this is the thing that I, I remind everybody with nfl players cool you don't want to be vaccinated fine but there are enough players on every single roster that are impacted by that decision that it is fair for an organization to make business decisions about players based on the personal decisions they make for themselves obviously aaron's not going anywhere because he's an mvp caliber player but if he was a practice squad player they just cut him. Uh, what would you prefer to see more? Jordan Love throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns or Jordan Love have a Nathan Peterman-esque half with five interceptions? Oh, I want Jordan Love to come out and have, like, the game of his life. And then just, you know, that only creates more chaos and drama. Like, that that's all, you know, at this point. Uh, but the other side of it is, as a Raiders fan, what I need to have happen here is Jordan Love needs to be terrible. He needs to be Peterman so that the Packers double down and realize that no matter what it takes, they're going to keep him, and that way he's not the quarterback for the Broncos. That, that's really my, like, that's my 52 steps down the road. You mentioned uh, your Raiders fandom, which we know well, and, you know, we've obviously been talking about the Henry Ruggs situation today and just what, obviously, what it means to uh, the person who lost their life, but what it means to the Raiders organization, you know, from a football standpoint um, as well. I'm just curious. Uh, you know, our reaction has pretty much been the same as most everybody's, which is can't really wrap our heads around it. Uh, what, what you think? 
Yeah, it's been an incredibly sad 24, 36 hours. Uh, you know, it, it's, I, I think the reaction to the news was just a gut punch for every fan. Uh, I, I've had the opportunity to talk to him a couple of times in interview situations, and he's a nice kid. I mean, genuinely a nice kid. And now a life has been lost, injury has happened, and his life has forever changed. And, you know, you have to look at all of those and say with each one of them, like the, the biggest tragedy here is that a life was lost. That is the most important thing. It is also at the same time tragic for Ruggs to wake up and realize that an entire lifetime of work has been thrown away. That, is, that, that, that stinks for anybody involved in that process. And then the Raiders have to make business decisions about what to do next. And the locker room has to figure out how to move forward. And that's going to be really tough. I mean, I, I just I, think about the way every single fan feels today when you think about just the, the news and reading it and how it breaks your heart and how everybody feels sad in this moment and sad for all of the, the reasons involved. Now think about the people that are his coworkers and his friends and his teammates that are with him every day and, and just ask how they're going to compartmentalize the fact that a life has been lost and life has changed forever. I, I just, this is something that I, I think takes the air out of everybody involved with it. And it's the ultimate tragedy. There's no, no nothing more important than the life that has been lost in this, but it doesn't change the fact that, the team had to make the decision they had to make, and now a locker room's got to figure out how to move forward. Uh, Henry Ruggs has got to figure out how to manage the rest of his life, and a family has to figure out how to live for, you know, without somebody. So every single situ- part of this situation is awful, and it's just it, it's, it's gut-wrenching for everybody involved, and you know there are bigger things than football involved, but I don't know from the football side how the locker room – like you can only take so much. Your locker room can only – withstand so much before everybody just says, man, I, I don't know how to find the strength. And, and I would not, from a human standpoint, I have no idea what to expect from everybody else that's involved in this for the Raiders. I don't think any of us can know what to expect. And I think while it doesn't matter today, on Sunday, it's going to be heavy on everybody's minds and hearts as they go through the entire process. Well, he is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Jason, as always, we appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Have a great week. So there is Jason Fitz. And now we've got a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights take on the Minnesota Wild on November 11th. A pair of tickets to watch the Golden Knights play. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number 7 at 702-364-1100. You'll get a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights take on the Minnesota Wild. I don't like this at all. Congratulations to Chris. He won a pair of tickets to go watch the Golden Knights take on the Minnesota Wild next week. Uh, Stay tuned. A little bit later in the show, we are going to have tickets to go see the Rolling Stones up for grabs. But now it's time for a much more fun story. Today's not been a fun show for lots of reasons. Uh, But a much more fun story because... This is, uh, I don't know if this has been actually like verified by a reputable news source, but I'm willing to run with it be just based on some tweets here. Because there was a tweet earlier this week from Thomas Campbell who said, I'm hearing a report from a credible source that Texas Longhorn special teams coach Jeff Banks' monkey allegedly attacked and seriously hurt a young trick-or-treater on Halloween, the monkey's jaws apparently had to be pried off the small child. There's another tweet, this one from 
January. The Longhorns just hired Jeff Banks, who left his wife and kids to be with a stripper named Pole Assassin, who has been on Jerry Springer and has a pet monkey who is a part of her stripping act. This is why college football is great, because we get stories like this. I have a hard time really getting too deep into this because of the fact that if it's true, a kid got hurt. <laughs> but, I mean, man, this is just so, so crazy and sad and hard to understand. Like, I know you were saying, like, it's been it's been a weird show for a number of reasons. I'm not sure this makes it any better. I think it does because we got a stripper named Pole Assassin. The kid is apparently fine. And did you see Pole Assassin on Twitter defending her monkey? As much as I love that <laughs> sentence, no, I did not. <laughs> she posted a video because here is her explanation of, of, of what happened here. At their house, they had like a little miniature, she said haunted house, but it was more like haunted walkway around the side of their house type thing and she had a video where she walked around the side of her house and was like this is where the haunted house was here is a gate where everybody was instructed to turn around and come back and apparently this child went through the gate walked through their backyard all the way over to where a big like cage for where the monkey lived where the monkey lived and she was like if the kid got bit he must have walked over here and stuck his fingers in and got bit i cannot get enough of pole assassin having a monkey living or being i don't know if they're married but being with the special teams coach for the texas longhorns and them having a haunted house on halloween it is one of the funniest things that's ever happened in college football yeah, I guess we're going to agree to disagree on this one. Um, but I, I just, I, I don't know, man. Like, it, the, the idea that you're going to blame the child for seeing a monkey and wanting to go say hi to the monkey is pretty crazy. Like, it's Owning a monkey is pretty crazy. Cool. <sighs> Pole assassin and a monkey. It's... It's an incredible story. It is, and it is what we get in college football. Because here, this is like, this is the things that happen in college football as to why, like, I oftentimes miss being at Ole Miss and what happened just because of how insane college football gets. And, like, here, I wish UNLV was competent because college football is the most insane of our sports. And we, we don't really get that with UNLV. Like, we just... We we don't have it. We don't have any sort of like fun because there's not much of in the way of people caring. I mean, the thing with UNLV is what is the relationship we have to it overall, right? We cover it as media because the team is there and that's what you do. Um, I'm not sure I've ever run into someone in this town who says I'm a big UNLV football fan. Like there are UNLV basketball fans who also have season tickets, right? Uh, to football, but I've never run into someone who's like, yup, been with him through thick and thin. It's going to turn around here soon. Loved Jason Thomas, you know, John Robinson. God, the good old days, right? Like there's nothing, there's nothing like that at all. It's going to turn around soon. Yeah. I, it is, it is a strange setup where it's a 
basketball school, but given that the basketball team has struggled so much, the fan base there has thinned out quite a bit. You're right in terms of how many people are, are UNLV football fans and not just fans because, oh, I, I, I'm a basketball fan and I you know live in Vegas or went to UNLV. So, yeah, I, I, I cheer for the football team to win, but don't actually. Because like, I've said it before about like the UNLV football team, and it does apply to basketball now because they've been down for quite a while. But like there, there's zero name recognition of any player on that team in this city. Like, none whatsoever. And, like, the conversation kind of goes to, like, the NIL uh, for, for college athletes. Like, if you're a business in Vegas, like, what? why would you want to have a UNLV football player, like, like be a spokesperson, be a figurehead for your company when nobody knows who they are? Like, if you asked a random person, and even Las Vegas, like, local, Las Vegas native, can they name a single UNLV player? I don't think anybody can. Like, maybe they might know who Tate Martell is, but that's that's it. Like, Tate Martell's the most famous person here. It's just a a program that's got nothing. Like, I, I don't even know if they could name the head coach either. Like, it's just a program that doesn't have much at all. Maybe they would know Max Gillum, but not know Max Gillum's name, <laughs> like, based on last year. You know, maybe, you know, some boat dealer out by Lake Mead wants to get an NIL deal for, for Max Gillum. Like, I'm being half serious when I say, like, that's probably the only thing they might recognize. Do you? Oh, my God. We missed it by a year. Do you oh, know yeah. how amazing an NIL deal would have been in the middle of last year for Max Gillum and some boat company? Right. Oh, my exactly. God. Oh, or at least a sushi restaurant. Oh, my God. Max the Gillum su- got screwed. The sushi restaurant might even be the best. Oh, no. You know who got screwed in this whole deal. And I'm going to dig back a little bit here. The the Gonzalez twins with UNLV women's basketball. They did. They Those did. two they, they would actually, have made millions and still been playing. They actually, like, they did away with. They for, uh, got in their last season of college basketball because they were like, well, we can't make money doing whatever we want to do on social media or making music. Like they had an extra year and didn't come back because of that. Right. You're absolutely right. Like they would have made a whole bunch of money being, you know, UNLV basketball players, but everything else that came with it.